Welcome to the Dunwoody Community Church Podcast. We are so glad you have chosen to listen in to one of our Sunday services, and we hope that you will be blessed by today's message. For more information about Dunwoody Community Church, please visit us at dunwoodychurch.org. That's dunwoodychurch.org. As some of you know, this past year and fall of 2020, I went back to school uh, after having graduated college in the late 80s and not looking back. And 30 some odd years of ministry, it just seemed like it was time that I actually get a ministry degree. So, gone back to seminary to get my Master's of Divinity. And last semester, I had my first experience of what I remember from college, but it's been a while, and you might remember them as well from school, the dreaded group project. So my professor assigns three of us to a project on St. Augustine. That's good. There's three sections. We've got 10 days to do it. We get together on email. We talk about it. We line up, okay, here's the three sections. We'll each do these three parts. Um, And because I actually know a lot about Augustine and have read most of his stuff, I volunteered to be the one to sort of put the three sections together, to be a unified voice at the end. Um, Three days into our 10 days, our professor assigned a fourth person to our group. So then we like had to get together again on email, and now we've got three sections that have to be divided up among four people, and so we sort of maneuvered through all that, and we said we'd work for a week, seven days alone, we'd do, our, we'd do all our sections, and then they'd send them to me, and that would give me a couple days to put them together, send it back to everybody, we could all proofread it, that sort of thing. So on day seven, the three of them send me all of their sections. Um, one of them has not done what the assignment is. He's done two of the three things, but not the third, so I gotta write him back and say, hey, you know, point and point, like this is what, this is the section you're supposed to be working on, but you didn't finish, and he writes me back and says, oh, totally my bad, I just missed that, I will do that today and get it to you. Like, okay, so I got two days to put it together instead of three, I can live with that. Uh, one of the other guys sends great work, good stuff, but this is an academic paper, so you have to have sources, you have to have footnotes, you have to prove what you're saying. What he said is really good, but there's no footnotes anywhere. So I write him back. I'm like, you know, I don't use Microsoft Word very often. I can't figure out how to turn your footnotes on. Like, where are they? He writes me back and says, oh, I didn't do footnotes. Oh, we were supposed to do those, weren't we? I didn't do them. So I write him back and said, well, great. Do you think you could put some footnotes in and send it back to me? And he says, no, I'm too busy. Okay, great. So, you know, you can watch the letter grade dropping because footnotes are required for this. The third person, um, she did the best work of any of us. Of the four of us, her work was spectacular. It was outstanding. It was beautiful. But she's Chinese. And English is not her first language. It's probably not her second or third language. (laughs) Wonderful, wonderful content. Took some editing to, to get it all together. And I was reminded why I so dislike group projects. Let me read you a verse from 2 Peter. This is chapter 1, verse 3. God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. That's pretty cool. God's power has given us everything we need for a godly life. I don't know if you noticed, but, but it's past tense. He has given it to us. You don't have to wait around for it. God's power has given us everything we need to live a godly life, to live the lives he wants us to lead. He has provided us with everything we need. The only problem with that verse is the pronouns. Us. We. I've told you before, when these guys write in the plural, it means they're writing to the group. If they were writing to individuals, it would be in the singular. God 
has given us. It's not Jeff. God has given you everything you need, just you to live the life God wants you to lead. It's church. Dunwoody Community Church. Christians. God has given us all together everything we together need to live a godly life. The Christian faith is a group project. Discipleship. That, that's where we're, we've stepped out of our series in 1 Corinthians that we've been doing for off and on this year to talk about what does it mean to be a disciple? You hear disciple all the time, I hope, in this church. We want to be disciples. We want to be people who follow Christ. We want to help other people be disciples, help other people follow Christ. We know the Great Commission, bring people to Jesus, grow people in Jesus. But what does that look like? What does it mean to follow Christ? Jesus walked on water. Does that mean we all need to walk on water? We need to follow him out on the lake. What does it mean to be a disciple? And so we're doing this series on the seven marks of a disciple. What are the seven things that should be important to disciples? What should we look like? Last week we did scripture. If you're a follower of Christ, the scripture should matter to you. This week we do community, the group project of discipleship. You cannot be a disciple on your own. God has not given you, singular, what you need to be a Christian. He's given us together what we need to follow him and be disciples. So we're gonna look at that in a couple chapters of the scripture. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're just skipping a few verses from where we left off in the middle of chapter 11. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is about this issue. That, that, that Christianity, that discipleship is a group project. So I'm gonna read most of chapter 12. Follow along with me if you will. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or another you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by that same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body's not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, oh, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, oh, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. 
And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. The parts that are unpresentable, we treat with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. If you remember from talking about 1 Corinthians, we're in this section, in the second half of the book, where Paul's answering questions. And so he signals that to us, if you remember. He'll say, now about this, now about this, now about that. And he does that in verse 12, chapter 1. Excuse me, chapter 12, verse 1. Now, about gifts of the Spirit. They've asked him some question about the gifts of the Spirit. And he's going to talk at length about what this means. And we're not going to dive into it deeply because I just want to hit a couple points about our group project. But notice verse 7. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now, manifestation of the Spirit, that's a weird English phrase. But it just means an appearance, a, a showing in everyone. Notice that. To each one, to every Christian, Paul says, somehow there's some place in your life where God's spirit is going to appear. It's going to manifest. It's going to show up. There's going to be some place in your life where God's spirit is at work for the common good, for us. God isn't giving this to you just for you. He's giving it to you for us. Because remember what Peter said, God's given all of us together what we all together need to live a godly life. Paul's saying a similar thing here. If you're a Christian, then you have some role to play in our group project of discipleship and God's spirit will show up there. He's not just gonna leave you to flounder. God's spirit will show up. You will have some place that you will use for the good of the whole church. Because it's the Spirit who does it. Notice how many times he says that. Different, different gifts, same Spirit. Different service, same Lords. Different working, same God. Verse 11, these are the work of one and the same Spirit. He distributes them to each one just as he desires. It's God who decides what your gifts are gonna be. It's God who decides what your role is gonna play. Just like my professor assigned people to a group and assigned topics to a group. That was his decision. Heck, it was his decision that it be a group project. He's the professor, he's in charge. He said, this is the way it's gonna work. And then we all said, okay. And off we went. God has decided that discipleship is a group project he has assigned each of us our place, our role, just like we had these different topics and we split them out. God has decided that for you. There's some place his spirit will show up, Paul says. And he spends the rest of this chapter kind of explaining and defending that. And he uses a metaphor that he uses a lot of places in scripture, which is the human body. He says, look, look just like I'm Jeff, I'm a unified whole, I'm one thing. And yet at the same time, my kidneys don't look anything like my eyes. If you put an eyeball and a kidney on a table, you'd be hard pressed to say that they were related to each other at all. My feet don't look anything like my ears. And yet all of it, Paul says, it all comes together. And so in verse 15, he talks to people who say, oh, I don't have anything to offer. I don't, I don't have a gift. I don't have anything to offer. That's not really for me. If a foot should say, oh, I'm, I'm not a hand. So, you know, I mean, it's true, right? Feet compared to hands. Hands can do a lot more. If the feet are like, oh, you know, hands are where it's at. My, my gifts, my place in this group project, it's just, 
it's not really important. It wouldn't matter if I'm not there. Like seriously, you want to walk around on your hands all day? Imagine if you didn't have feet, right? Yes, feet, okay, they can't do all that hands can do, but I don't know, I think they're pretty important. Paul says to people who are like, no, I'm not important, I don't have a gift. It's like, yes, yes you do. You have a place, you have a role. Why? Verse 18, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wants them to be. You have the gifts God wants you to have. You have the roles God wants you to have. You are able to do the things God wants you to do and you're in the place God wants you to be. You can say, oh, it's not important, but that's not true, Paul says. It is, it matters. You have a role. And then he flips it in 21. So in the verse 15, he's talking to people who let's say, you know, have sort of low self-esteem in the whole thing. Oh no, I don't, I don't have anything to offer. And then he flips and talks to people who have way, way too much self-esteem because they say, yeah, you're right. You don't have anything to offer. I don't need you. You're not important. The head says to the feet, what do I need you for? Well, that's kind of a stupid question. You need them to walk anywhere you want to go. But the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. If you think, I can do this on my own. Like, I can do, be a disciple on my own. It's me and Jesus. There's no, if Jesus dropped me on a desert island, there's really no difference between that and my life now. If you think that, Paul says, you are wrong. You cannot do it yourself. God has ordained this. He says again, the same thing he says right up above in verse 24. He says, God has put the body together. You're right, hands are super impressive and you wouldn't want to do without them, but the fact is you can. You can live without them. Kidneys, not so much. You lose both your kidneys, that's pretty much it in the next couple days. This is God, Paul says. God has done this. Whatever your gifts, whether they're impressive and upfront, like hands and eyes, or they're hidden and behind the scenes. And I mean, how many of you today have thought to yourselves, man, my kidneys are killing it? Because they are. I mean, if they weren't, you'd all be jaundiced and lying on the ground. Like, like your kidneys are killing it today. But we don't ever notice that. It, it just... God has done this, Paul says. If you think you're not important, you are. If you think you're important and you don't need anybody else, you're wrong. This is God, Paul says. We can never say to each other, I don't need you. Either in the sense of I have nothing to offer you or in the sense of you have nothing to offer me. We need each other. We all have a role to play, Paul says. And yet, don't we fall into that trap so easily? That trap of, oh, oh no, but they don't really need me. I'm not really important. Or that trap of, oh, I don't need them. I can do this myself. We so easily fall to one side or another. And yet Paul says at the end of this, hey, if one part suffers, you all suffer. And we all know that's true. When you have a toothache, your whole body hurts. And if one of your kidneys starts failing, you will know it. When the body, when something goes wrong, everything hurts. When something goes right, we're all excited. Again, Paul says that's God. Over and over again, he said in this passage, this is God, this is God, this is God. You have a role to play. You have a gift and you have a role to play in the group project of discipleship. And too often we think that you all pay the staff to do the project. Like, the, you know, the professor assigns us this project on Augustine and we all get together and decide to pay Matt to do the work. That's not the way it works. Everyone is part of the project. 
Our job on staff is not to do ministry. It's to teach you to do ministry. It's to train you and equip you and help you and encourage you because you have a gift and you have a role to play. It's our job to to get you playing that role, to help you, to, to give you what you need. But it's not our job to do it. We can't. Again, Peter does not say, God has given the church staff everything you need to live your lives in godliness. God has given us all together, all of us together. We have what we need. It's a a group project. We all have a part to play, and we all know from group projects, if somebody doesn't play their part, that's a problem. And if somebody decides, oh, I don't need you, I'll do this myself, that's a problem. In fact, there's a lot of problems to group project, which is why we're going to flip over a couple chapters. Go to Colossians chapter 3. You know, Paul's not stupid. He knows this is hard. He knows these are issues. He knows we struggle to get along with each other. That that in the group project that is discipleship, Paul knows it's hard. Read with me. I'm going to read about the first half of Colossians chapter 3. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you've taken off your old self with its practices, and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And again, like the verse in Peter, the pronouns, all those yous, they're all plural. All those commands, they're all plural. He's not talking to us as individuals. He's talking to us as a group. And just look at when he, when he actually says things where we have to interact with each other, do not lie to each other. Not just, not just do not lie, don't lie to anybody. He's talking about us in the church, verse 11. Here there's no Gentile or Jew, there's no circumcised or uncircumcised, Barian, Scythian, slave or free. It's the same thing he said in the, the first Corinthians passage. He's describing the church, this incredibly diverse group of people who, just like my incredibly diverse parts of my body, come together to form a unified whole, a whole that, that has one purpose 
and one mission. Paul is talking to us as the church, and he's telling us how we need to live together. And my favorite one is verse 13, bear with each other, literally endure one another. Now, you don't have to endure the good stuff. Last night, I was sitting on my couch. I was reading a book. It's a a police mystery by an author I like. I was not enduring that time. It was easy. I enjoyed it. A few hours before that, I was in my bathroom with the toilet disassembled, snaking out the toilet and the drain to figure out why it wasn't draining properly. And yes, that is as gross as it sounds. That I had to endure. I endured those couple hours in the bathroom. I didn't have to endure the time reading a book I wanted to. Paul's not stupid. Bear with each other, Paul says. Because remember how different we are. Jews and Gentiles, those are ethnic groups. They're ethnic groups that don't like each other. Slave and free. Those are the haves and the have-nots. That's management and labor. Now, you go to, a, go to any newspaper online and just start reading the headlines. How long will it take you before you read about ethnic strife? Strife between racial groups. How long will it go before you read about strife between people who have and who don't have? Paul knows what it's like for a body made up these incredibly different people. Jews and Gentiles don't think alike. They don't view the world the same way. They don't agree on things, but God has put them together. Slave owners and slaves do not see the world the same way, but God has put them together in the church, and Paul knows full well how hard that's gonna be, and so he tells us, hey, you know what? You're gonna be tempted towards anger, rage, malice, slander, and basically swearing at one another. You need to not do that. He says, you need to take it off. Literally take it off. You have to decide it. It has to be an action on your part. You need to put on these new things, he says. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Why am I wearing these clothes? Because I put these clothes on. Because I reached into my closet and I chose these pants and this shirt and this jacket. Okay, now it's granimals for me, right? My wife has put them all together so I I don't mess them up. But, But the analogy still holds. I chose this. There's a lot of other suit jackets and suits hanging in my closet. I'm wearing this one because I chose it. I put it on intentionally. Paul says, that's what that's how we gotta live with each other. That's what it means for us to be a church together. We choose to put on patience and compassion. We choose to put on mercy. We choose to put on humility and gentleness, just like I put on this jacket. You don't have to. You gotta choose it. This jacket did not spring out of the closet this morning and leap upon me. I had to go get it. Take it down. Take it off the hanger. I had to do it. Because if you don't do that, Paul says, well, then you're gonna be left with anger, rage, malice, slander, and swearing at one another. Because that's what's gonna happen when all these incredibly different people who see the world so differently, and we do, when we come together and are the body of Christ. 
Paul says, endure one another, forgive one another, which means, of course, you've hurt each other. (laughs) If you show up at my house with a cake and a big wad of cash, I do not have to forgive you. I don't need to, to well, I don't got to put on forgiveness at that point. Oh, fine, I'll take your money and your treats. I'm not going to forgive you for that. I have to forgive you when you hurt me, when you offend me. You have to forgive me when I hurt you, intentionally or unintentionally. We have to forgive each other, Paul says, because it's a group project and we're all going to drop the ball at different times. Like all of those people in my project, we're, we all play all those roles. The, the guy that doesn't have time to be bothered to do the work. The, the guy who didn't actually read what the assignment was. The girl who wasn't able to say it in the right way. We all do that with each other all the time. It happens constantly. And across the church universal, oh, it happens constantly. I have lived in a lot of countries and worshiped with a lot of different people. It takes work for us to get along. We have to choose to put these things on. We have to choose to forgive. We need these attitudes that Paul tells us. We need love. You've heard me say this before. The the word love in his language that he's using, there's several of them, is the word agape. It's not a feeling. It's not that you like someone or that you appreciate someone. It's that you choose to do good for someone. It's unselfish devotion. It's a choice. In his language, it's not an emotion. It's an action. You need to love one another, Paul says. You need to be at peace. You have to choose peace. You have to choose thankfulness. Did you notice he says that three times? In verse 15, be thankful. In verse 16, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. In verse 17, giving thanks to God the Father. You've got to choose gratitude. Even when, quite frankly, that person has just annoyed the snot out of you. They have just done something that you cannot possibly conceive of how they can do that. It is so obvious to you what should be happening. And your brother or sister, they they don't see it that way. And God's gifted them in this way, and God's gifted you in that way. And God's given them this role to play, and God's given you that role to play. And they're not playing their role very well. You can tell that. It's easy. And they don't think necessarily you're playing your role all that great either. We have to endure one another, bear one another, put on love, put on compassion, put on peace, be grateful. We need to choose gratitude. I mean, we all know that, right? Count your blessings, I mean, anyone will tell you that. You don't have to be a Christian to know that if you work on gratitude, things seem better. You will feel better. That that is a reality in the universe, not just a reality for Christians. We need each other. Some of us want to ignore each other and do it ourselves, and Paul says, no way, can't be done. It's a group project. Some of us want to say, oh, I'm not important. Uh, You don't need me. I don't have anything to give, and Paul says, no way. It's a group project. You absolutely have a role to fill. Some of us, we get fed up with each other, and I think Paul would say, yeah, I get that. I mean, you read between the lines in some of Paul's letter, he gets fed up too, But we put on love, we put on compassion, we put on mercy, we choose. We choose not to act the way we want to act. We choose to act with graciousness. These are 
choices, brothers and sisters. If we are gonna do this group project of discipleship well, if we are gonna live out that God has given us everything we together need, then this is what it means for us. This is how we have to live. Scripture insists that discipleship be done together. I mean, yes, if God were to save you and you were to get shipwrecked on a desert island, you would still be a Christian. But that is by far the rarity. For the vast, 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 vast majority of us throughout our lives, we will live out our lives, we will be disciples together. And that means we gotta work at it. So let me give you a few practical examples. You know, we're, we're trying to make this series practical. So last week, from the scriptures, I tried to convince you that the, you need to be reading the scriptures. And then I gave you a, if you don't have a way to read, here, here's one. They're, they're on the back table. Go grab one. They're on our website. I hope you're doing that. Hey, if you thought about doing it and didn't, tomorrow can be week one. Week one didn't have to start last week. Pick it up. Start reading. Like, like we're trying to give you easy ways into these marks of discipleship. So today, this idea of community, a group project. Group projects are generally not done in class, right? I mean, when my teacher assigned me this group project, we didn't get together and talk about it and do the work in class time during a lecture. We did it outside. Discipleship for the most people, it's not gonna happen in this room. You're not going to use your gift. You're not going to play your role here. A few of us are. There are some people that this is our role. Our role is here. But for most of us, our roles are out there. They're in smaller groups. They're not here in class, quote unquote. They're out there among others. Do you have a place where you're involved with other Christians? Do you have a community I mean, I know, you, I know you don't live on a desert island, but are you living as if you lived on a desert island? Are you with other believers? Are there places where there's people can speak into your life? I mean, Paul tells us we're gonna admonish one another, we're gonna teach one another, we're gonna sing with one another. Are, are there places with your, where you're doing that, where people actually know you? Because I mean, come on, let's face it. You could come in here, sit down, leave again. Nobody could ever know you. We have community groups smaller groups of people. We have community groups that are around stages in life. We have community groups that are around topics like parenting. We have community groups that are around, well, I'm free Sunday night, let's do it then. When this service ends, walk out into the theater. Tim mentioned it at the beginning. All our community groups are set up there. Now they are vying for your affection and love. So there are cookies, there are posters. I mean, I don't think you need to go to lunch actually if you want. You can get everything you, you want in there. I saw drinks, I saw food. So, you know, just selfishly think about going back there and sampling each one of them. If you don't have a community that you're involved in, again, this is like class. We, we don't do our group projects in class. We learn what we need to learn to do the group project, but we actually have to do it out there in life. You gotta do it somewhere else. If you don't have a community, a group of people that you get together with regularly, where you can do these things, where you can talk to each other, where you can encourage each other, where you can use your gifts, or heck, you can just say to someone, I have no idea what my gifts are, what do you think? then just walk right out that door and go on into the theater. Just start at one end, go all the way around. Find a group that's a topic you're interested in, a stage of life, a t meets in a time when you can meet. Find a group of folks that you can engage with because we need each other. Now, I get it. Some of you are already in those sorts of groups. They're not necessarily community groups. They're discipleship groups. Or like, I 
again, blessings on you. It's like the Bible reading plan. You don't gotta do this one. Just be reading the Bible. You don't gotta be in one of our community groups. But you need to be with a smaller group of people that you can encourage and they can encourage you. That all of these gifts, I mean, think about all the things Paul lists. Almost none of those gifts, except maybe for teaching and service, get used here on a Sunday morning. All the rest of them take place somewhere else, out there, in the world. If you don't have a community that you're a part of, wow, have we got an easy way for you to at least check some out. Just walk right into the theater. And then secondly, let me ask you, do you know your gifts? Like Paul says multiple times, God has given you a gift. There's a place where God's spirit works in you. It manifests, it shows up, it displays itself so you can play the role he wants you to play in this group project. Do you know what that is? Do you know what your role is? Do you know what your gift is? Boy, if not, Google it. There are so many online spiritual gifts tests you can take. Ask some people around you. Go in a community group, get to know some people, and ask them. Let them tell you. We've offered classes on them before, right? If you'd be interested in that, talk to me, talk to Tim. We'll see about doing one again. You have a role to play. Do you know what it is? Because ignorance doesn't mean you don't have one. Scripture says you have one. Do you know what it is? Are you, are you doing it? If that role is service, are you serving? If that role is teaching, are you teaching? If that role is prayer, are you praying? If that role is miracles, well, then are you out there doing miracles? Because Paul says he's given us everything we need. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that, that you have given us everything we need. And I readily confess that there are many times that that. Yeah, I I do think I can do it myself. And I do act like I live on a desert island. Lord, I pray you would forgive us. I pray you forgive all my brothers and sisters who who struggle with that as well as I do. I pray you'd forgive all of us who say, oh, my my gifts aren't important. I don't have a role. It doesn't matter. I pray you'd forgive all of us who who don't work to put on love and peace and thankfulness. um, These things are hard. You know it's hard, Jesus. You're human. And so we pray, Lord, that you would Help us to, to, to live out this group project of discipleship that you've given us, that we together would have everything we together need to live the life that you've called us to live, that, that our church would be marked by this, by community, by, by people who do these things, who love one another, though we are very different, though we may not vote the same and we may not view the world the same and we may not agree on economics and child rearing and whatever else. Though we have many, many differences, that, that we love each other, like the scripture says. We, we, we endure one another. We, we forgive one another. When we harm one another, we don't hold people to that. Jesus, help us. We need your help with this. This is not natural for us. It is natural for us to, to disassociate, to pull apart. It's been going on since Adam and Eve ate the fruit and sinned. It broke their relationship with each other as well as with you. Lord, help us. You know this is hard. Be gracious to us. I pray for my brothers and sisters that you would give them courage to get involved with a community, to investigate and see where you have placed them, why you've put them there, what their gifts are, what their role is, the place that you want them to be at work in being your disciples. Lord, give us courage. Give us insight. Give us people to speak into our lives, to tell us truth. 
we, we need you, Jesus, in order to obey you. You've told us to do these things, but we need your spirit to be at work in us so that we can. So we ask that you would, Lord. I pray that, that you would do that. You, you would guide us to communities. You would show us our roles, that we would live as you've called us to live together, all of us together, having everything that we all together need to live godly lives. We pray this in your name, Jesus, because we pray everything in your name. You are our God. Amen.